0: Pulpit Podcast.
1: All right.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pats Pulpit Podcast. It has been a long, fascinating offseason, but we are back. Training camp begins today. I cannot wait to get back on the podcast microphone, my, my good buddy Rich Hill, and break down the madness that has been taking place across the Patriots team over the past couple of months. But first, before we get into that, Rich, how you been, man?
1: I've been good. It's been a very, very, very hot summer. I don't know how it's been for you, but I, I am looking forward for the fall to start, for the you know iced coffees to make like some help with the heat, um, and also <laughs> just for football to start. I, I think that this is... About the end of a time where football has kind of been a, not a downer, but just less interesting. I think the, like the whole COVID period was just weird. It was just weird for the entire league, weird for all of sports. And I, I think that this training camp marks the return of kind of like, a, you know, not technically a post-COVID era, but like a signals that this is going to be a more normal season than we have had in a couple of years for the Patriots.
0: Here is hoping, man, and hopefully you lump normal into a playoff
1: berth and
0: a winning record because that is what I think a lot of folks are expecting based on the offseason acquisitions the Patriots made, the draft they had, just the direction the team has been taking over these past few months. And uh, I don't know about you, Rich, but I have not been this stoked for a bunch of men running around in shells and helmets in July in a very long time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, seriously, man. I I think that this is uh a year and more than others where there's a, like a pretty solid camp competition at every single position in a way that's like interesting and not one where you're just like oh no they have no cornerbacks on the roster this is bad uh and i think that this <laughs> is one where every position is well stocked there's a lot of hope with each grouping uh and, and I, I feel this is one of the the more interesting patriots seasons since probably 2018
0: probably maybe even earlier than that It's might the most interesting offseason they've had in the 21st century, it's arguable at least. Uh, but obviously, I think they definitely made their offseason acquisitions and, and their team building with a very specific goal in mind. Uh, I, I don't know if they are a Super Bowl contending team yet. They still have some pieces they have to kind of develop and put into place. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. There's still that Tom Brady guy down in Tampa Bay, and that team is stacked. However, uh, I do think the Patriots should be significantly better than last year. There's a whole extra week of football this year to play, the 17-game season, which makes no sense to me, but whatever. Rich, what would you say, based on this early, early stage of the preseason and the training camp era, uh, what is your floor and ceiling for 2021 Patriots, based on the talent they have on the roster?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, that's a great question. I I would put their floor at, uh, you know, what they did last year. I I think that there is no reason why the Patriots should be worse next uh, this upcoming season than they were last year. You know, they came in third in the division. They were seven and nine. Um, I would put that as the absolute floor here. I would be shocked if they came in third uh, in the division again and, you know, with so many positions being improved upon with their defensive front seven being so much stronger with their receiving core being stronger just purely based on having tight ends on the roster that are worth anything uh and then also you know cam newton having a real off season with the team and also the drafting of mac jones there's no reason that i could see for this patriots team to be worse than they were last year so i would put the absolute floor at seven and nine um i don't know about you
0: I think that, uh, obviously, I'd actually go, I think their floor is going to be eight and eight this year. Uh, I don't think they have another losing record based on the talent level, based on the schedule. Uh, you know, obviously a lot can happen between now and when September starts. There's always that player every year that gets uh, the Foxborough flu or blows out an ACL. Hopefully everyone is going to be healthy and ready to go come September, but uh, I just think the Patriots can't finish worse than, oh, I, they can't go eight and eight. Can they? Uh,
1: that's Doesn't true. Anymore. That's
0: true. I completely forgot about that. I, I guess then, uh, yeah, I guess then eight, 8 and 9. nine I, 8 and 9? I'm there. an 8 nine too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess 8 and 9 would be my, my floor, which sounds weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they can – they'll definitely win eight games. Uh, usually enough to, to go 500. I think as a as a ceiling, what's, I guess a 11 and 6, I guess. I think it's probably maybe, maybe 12 and 5 uh, around there, which – I don't know if that's enough to win the division anymore. I'm, I'm very curious to see. You know, usually 12-4 and four is definitely good enough for the division and probably a first-round bye, but who knows how the extra week's going to kind of shake out the, the bye weeks and the playoff seedings. But I think if they can, can win together 11 or 12 wins, uh, I think that would be a, a pretty solid campaign for them. Hey, AFC East crown comes back to New England, and maybe they host a playoff game, the division round. Uh, I think absolutely probably the AFC championship loss uh, at Kansas City. That's probably what they'd they, they play about for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with like where that the end of the season might take them. I think that this is a pretty relatively easy schedule compared to what we've seen in the past. You know, uh, the Saints are not a scary team anymore. The Texans aren't a scary team. Uh, I, I would say that the teams that they most have to worry about are them hosting the Bucks in Week Four, uh, being on the road against the Chargers in Week Eight. Uh, and then, you know, they're hosting the Browns, which is weird to say, uh, in Week <laughs> 10. Uh, and then you have the Titans in Week 12, and then you have the Bills games. Like, those are where I see the Patriots having the hardest road to sled. Um, but I, I think 13-4 and 4 is... Uh, you know, if everything goes the Patriots way, if Cam Newton has a renaissance that, you know, he showed flashes of last season, if Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith like really come in seamlessly, I think that this is Patriots team could go into that level. Uh, you know, I, I I don't even know. That's like, is that like the equivalent of like a 12 and 14, 13 and three? Um, that's like <laughs> where I, I envision them if all things go well. Uh, more likely than not, I don't see everything following the Patriots' way. So I see, you know, like an 11-6 and 6 year as the most likely.
0: Yeah, probably. But again, I think 11-6 and 6 is a great leap up from last year. I think this is the year where maybe pieces continue to fall into place. And then in 2022, this time, 20, this time next year, Rich, you and I are having a conversation about the Patriots making a serious run at another Lombardi Trophy. Usually a rebuild takes a season or two. Last year was kind of a and here we are coming into a really exciting training camp. Let's get into it, man. I'd love to hear your thoughts on where the team sits right now um, with their, their personnel. Let's start with the offense, uh, because I believe that most folks, even casual Patriots fans, are aware the Patriots drafted and Matt Jones in the first round, their highest quarterback taken since Drew Bledsoe. And Cam Newton and Matt Jones are going to be the spotlight uh, team uh, competition of this training camp, obviously. But – Uh, I think there are other positions at almost every single level of this Patriots offense that are going to be really fun to watch.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I, I think that there are some that are a little bit more marquee than others, as you mentioned, with Newton and Jones. Um, And I would say that there's some other positions that are, like, more set, but you have an idea of what's happening, you know, with the tight ends. You know that Hunter Henry and John Smith are going to be your top two guys, but where does Matt Lacoste versus Dalton Keene versus Devin Asiasi kind of play out? Like, if the Patriots carry four tight ends, I wouldn't be shocked by it, but, you know, with how deep the Patriots are at other positions, could that be what happens? Could one of those Patriots players get the Foxborough flu, as you mentioned earlier? Um, And then looking at the running back position – Damian Harris is easily the best running back on the team. I would love to see him have more opportunities. Uh, and you have Brandon Bolden as your key special teamers and James White as your third down specialist. But you have a very interesting matchup of Sony Michelle versus JJ Taylor. But those are ones kind of on the back end of the the depth chart. You know, the top of the order is set at both the running back and the tight end spot. And so that's why a lot of my focus will be on that wide receiver position. It feels like this is the case every offseason with the Patriots, where, you know, historically outside of Julian Edelman, it's been a pretty big shoulder shrug of how other things are going to play out here. Uh, you know, every now and then they would have like a Chris Hogan or a Brandon LaFell who, you know, flashed as the number four option in the offense, but that's kind of their ceiling. With the Patriots, you have Jacoby Myers taking over for that Julian Edelman role as that, you know, key slot slash outside kind of flex player. Uh, and and I would envision like a pretty near 1,000-yard season for him because uh, I think he just has so much potential and he's so solid. But other than him, who's going to win that other starting receiver spot? You know, as you mentioned before this podcast, Nikhil Harry is the longest tenured receiver on the Patriots roster, which is ridiculous to me. Uh, But the Patriots also spent a lot of money on Nelson Aguilar this offseason. They signed Kendrick Bourne to a multi-year deal. Uh, And then Isaiah Zuber is someone who's been turning heads at camp. And Gunnar Olszewski also has a lot of talent. So... What's going to happen at that wide receiver position, Alec? I have no idea. I would put my money on Nelson Aguilar with Bourne being the third guy on the depth chart, but I don't know what your thoughts are.
0: Yeah, it's tricky. You know, I I, I think that Aguilar is in a very interesting position, That I don't think he's going to be really the guy that's brought in to have 100 catches. I think he's there to kind of stretch the field. Prevent the safeties from crowding that middle and then coming down on the two tight ends. I think it could be a very heavy tight end running back package this, this season. I mean, I've to open that up for those players. Um, so I think he actually will be a, a solid deep threat for the Patriots. Maybe not as a, as a pass-catching kind of stats, numbers guy, but he's kind of just the larger package to keep the defense honest. Uh, the guy I'm very curious about, maybe just because of the, the Ernie Adams connection, is Trey Nixon, uh, the very last guy Ernie Adams picked. He didn't really flash in, in spring camp, and as you mentioned, it's a very crowded receiver chart uh, right now. But there really isn't a, a standout, really safe, ultra-secure roster spot right now besides maybe Jacoby Myers and Aguilar. If Nixon can can show his speed and his route running, he could flash a summer and be that Jacoby Myers guy. I feel like every year there's some receiver that comes out of nowhere— and has a great camp and a good preseason. So maybe that's going to be Trey Nixon's year for it. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I like that. I I think that there's always room at the end of the wide receiver depth chart for players that can separate and show that they have special teams ability. I mean, that's why Olszewski was on the team last year as an all-pro and why I think that he has a pretty solid chance of being that fourth guy on the depth chart. And if Trey Nixon is able to play on special teams, which he's shown in the past that he can do, that will be his way to make the roster over some of the other players like Harry who can't play on special teams. Uh, And so that'll be interesting to see how that works. Maybe Nixon can play a little bit as a, as a returner where New England like, could always benefit from having help outside of Olszewski, uh, particularly in the kick return sort of space. Um, but the other camp battle, or not necessarily battle, but the other conversation is on the offensive line where there's been a little bit of a shakeup. You know, Joe Tooney left this offseason for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and so the Patriots brought back, uh, you know, big, big Trent Brown uh, to play presumably right tackle with Isaiah Wynn staying on the left side. Uh, Michael Unwainu is expected to slide in at that left guard spot, taking over for Tooney. Uh, what do you think is going to happen for, you know, the ceiling of this offensive line? And also, who do you think are the, is going to be the, that top backup option?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the Patriots' offensive line may be their strength this year. They were pretty solid last year, and I think the Patriots, regardless of who starts under center, are going to be a run-first team, a smash-mouth team, using the tight ends both on the line and as pass catchers. Uh, what I like about Hunter Henrys, he's probably the, one of the best half catch tight ends in the NFL. And John New Smith is also a good ball carrier. He can, he can run the ball. So I think there will be a lot of bigger packages, and the offensive line is going to factor into that. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I think that the offensive line of of Trent Brown, Shaq Mason, David Andrews, Isaiah Wynn, and Michael O'Enu is is really, really solid, uh, especially given the backfield they have. In terms of the the six-man, the backups, uh, I think it's going to be basically a two-man battle between Ted Karras and Yoni Kajuste. Uh, I'm sure I pronounced that last name very wrong, but um, he had a kind of... Injury-riddled NFL career early. He's got a lot of potential. He's got good quick feet. I think this is kind of a a make-or-break year for him. And uh, bringing Ted Karras back is always a good thing. He's a starting-caliber guy. And uh, Wynn and Brown have both battled injuries in the past, so I think it's good to have that guy to fill in. Uh, I think if you can put Karras in at left guard or right guard even, and then you swing Owenu out to, to tackle... That can keep uh, guys that are familiar with their positions where they need to be. So I think they have a lot of depth and a lot of talent in the offensive line. It should build well for them.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that this will be the strength, and as you mentioned, I think this rushing attack is going to be so huge. I love what you mentioned about Nelson Aguilar being kind of that deep threat guy to take the coverage away from the middle of the field. Kind of that Chris Hogan role that the Patriots have had in the past where he just runs down the field. He's just a track athlete where he just pulls coverage away and will open up things for those tight ends to cook where Cam Newton has historically had so So much success with Greg Olson. Uh, And I think that having a beefy offensive line is going to be so crucial to that, you know, intermediate short level passing game that I think the Patriots are going to leverage a lot. Um, But enough about the offense. Let's look to the defensive side of the ball, Alec, because I I think that there's a lot more new faces in the defensive front seven. So thinking of the defensive interior, how are you looking at that camp battle?
0: Yeah, well, I think one of the more interesting, uh, of all the madness that happened this off season, I think one of the things I was more surprised at than not was that the team re-signed Dietrich Wise. I think it was four years, twenty-two million dollars. Um, he was one. He's actually was a pretty good interior defensive lineman. Uh, he's, he's a good pass rusher, but like he really struggled against the run. And I'm not sure what his role is in this this defensive line. He got ten million guaranteed, so he's obviously part of the long-term plan. But Devon God Show, they drafted uh, Christian Barmore, got Henry Anderson. Lawrence Guy is a big, sturdy veteran presence. There's Byron Coward and Montrevious Adams um, battling for roster spots. you got Carl Davis in there. So I think the interior line is a – I don't know if there's necessarily like a, a camp battle for, for roster spots. I think that maybe you can, we can probably shake out the depth chart pretty quickly as camp goes on. But a lot of guys with various different contract levels that bring different skill sets to the team. Um, so I'm, I'm really more curious about how they're going to utilize their 3-4, four, their 4-3, four, going back to big nickel. What their their kind of base defense is going to be? Will they even have a base defense? And how are they going to fit all these big bodies on the on the field at the same time? Because there's a lot of very different pieces on the offensive line.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that Wise could can be considered a linchpin in all of that. You I know mean, how Adam Butler departed over the offseason I wonder if there's space for Dietrich Wise to kind of take over that role as that sub package pass rusher, but also that player that allows the Patriots to flex between the four three and three uh, four. You know. He's definitely smaller than the previous guys that you mentioned with Guy, who I think will be the top option on the interior, along with Godshaw and Barmore. Uh, But he's also not as good on the edge as you would uh, not necessarily expect. But with Matthew Judon out there, uh, I would put Josh Uche out there, Kyle Van Noy, Chase Winovich. Those are all players that I would put ahead of Dietrich Wise on that edge rotation, even if Uche is considered more of an off-the-ball kind of an option. I think that Wise is not necessarily as strong of an interior guy, not as strong as an outside rusher, but the Patriots definitely have a plan for him. And so I'm not sure what that will be exactly. Um, But, you know there is going to be a lot of opportunity in this defensive front because they have so many players with so many different skill sets. I think that in the past, perhaps, there have been more players that kind of have duplicative skills uh, in the sense that it was very clear that this is a prototype that the Patriots want for the position, uh, and so you have this type of edge rusher, and this is the exact type of guy who will be backing them up. I think that it's very clear that Kyle Van Noy is a different edge rusher than Chase Winovich, who is very different from Matthew Judon, who is very different from Dietrich Wise. And because of that, I am wondering if this is going to be a year where the Patriots pass rushers kind of rotate in the same way that they had done in the past, uh, where you're not going to have a single guy with more than 50% of the snaps.
0: Let me ask you this, Rich Hill. Based on just the, the guys we've all just mentioned, uh, we didn't even mention Anthony Jennings, who's the third-round pick who needs to kind of have a good year after a, a kind of non-existent 2020. People love Chase Winovich. They think he's a great talent. They like his style. They think he's aggressive. He's got that beautiful hair. <laughs> uh, but we saw, but we saw his reps kind of drop off uh, after last year. Um, he was in the doghouse for a while would you consider him a, a roster bubble guy or maybe a potential like surprise cut or surprise trade candidate going into 2021? Do you think he's pretty
1: safe? I wouldn't consider him a trade candidate. I think he's pretty safe. I think when he was on the field, he was so evidently an impact. Player that the Patriots just weren't in a good enough situation to allow him to stay on the field. You know, Belichick was pretty transparent about the fact that uh, Chase Winovich does not play when the Patriots are behind. You know, he's not as strong of a run defender as some of the other defensive front players, but he loves him as a pass rusher. But the Patriots' pass rushers really shine when they have a lead. And last year's offense was not able to score at all. And so I think this year's Patriots' offense will be much better. And it'll give New England an opportunity for Chase Winovich to play more frequently, uh, and, and I think that will, you know, allow him to stay on the field. I think that he will be at that top of that pass rush rotation with Judon, uh, with Kyle Van Noy, who I think are going to be the two starters. I think Winovich will be that third guy off the bench.
0: So, where would you where would you put Kyle Van Noy this season? Given the depth they have at linebacker, given the talent they have at linebacker, given the number of Edge, kind of linebacker hybrid guys now vying for roster spots. He played great for the Patriots and then great for the Dolphins, and now he's back. Uh, What do you see his role being? Kind of pick up where he left off? Are they going to use him more with his hand on the ground as like an edge rusher and let the younger linebackers – like uh, Dante Hightower, Josh Uche, Jawan Bentley, do their thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think that his future will be where he really thrived with New England a couple of years ago, and that is on that line of scrimmage. I think that the future of this Patriots defense is that five-man bare front. Uh, you know that, that has uh, you know your big beefy guys in the middle with Lawrence Guy, Godshaw, and Barmore, uh, as well as Dietrich Wise as a potential you know interior guy. Um, and then based off of the setting, you could have Judon, uh, as as well as uh, Van Noy and Winovich out there. Um, I, I think that Van Noy is at his best when he's at the line of scrimmage. I think that he's at his weakest when he's asked to drop back into coverage, but he's good enough to, you know, defend the wheel routes a little bit. Uh, and, and so I, I think that where the Patriots kind of want to play is having you know, a 5-1-5 sort of style defense where you have the safeties with the ability to step up into the linebacker spot, uh, You know, thinking of the Adrian Phillips of the world. And so I, I think that Van Noy will be asked to kind of rush the quarterback more, help bolster that defensive front, uh, and that's where he really shone in the playoffs and for the Patriots' defense in the past. So I expect him to be back there again.
0: I'm glad you're out of the safeties, Richelle, because it's a very interesting logjam of a position the Patriots have always loved since the Laurie Malloy-Rodney Harrison days. And that's the, kind of that big, thumping safety to bring into the box. Uses kind of a hybrid linebacker. Kyle Duggar is a budding star. His, his camp's going to be really solid. Adrian Phillips, who's probably the best signing they had last year, who had that same kind of corner safety linebacker hybrid. They also brought in Jalen Mills, uh, $9 million guaranteed. And while I think Mills was not a good outside corner, uh, I think he's a very solid hybrid safety player. I think all three are safe in terms of roster spots, but I'm not sure how they're going to utilize all three unless they just rotate them a lot. Do you have any kind of um, insight into what you see Kyle Duggar, Jalen Mills, and Adrian Phillips doing for this defense?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I- I'd say that the way that the Patriots – have generally approached, uh, you know, both Duggar and Phillips. That Phillips stepped into that Patrick Chung role pretty seamlessly, um, and and I think that Duggar stepped into Devin McCourty's old role, and so McCourty was able to step back and play that Daron Harmon deep free safety thing, and that allowed the Patriots' safeties to kind of play their more ideals positions, uh, because I, I think McCourty had historically, you know, I mean, he's an All Pro caliber player. He's super talented at anything that he tries to do in the secondary he was also not at his best when asked to cover tight ends. He's at his best when he's allowed to, you know, be that back end of this defense. He doesn't make coverage mistakes, or he doesn't take bad angles, and so being that last line of support is where his, you know, he's at his best. And Harmon was able to play that role well, you know, he was the closer, but because Harmon wasn't able to cover tight ends, it would kind of fell to McCourty to take over that spot. Now, with Duggar able to cover tight ends and do it very well as we saw last year. That allows McCordy to, you know, use his intelligence, use his speed, use his consistency to be that last line of defense. And so I would expect Phillips to be the in-the-box kind of safety linebacker hybrid. I would expect Duggar to kind of be in that middle level, and I expect McCourty to be that deep safety. And where I see Jalen Mills kind of fitting in is that he can do anything in the secondary, honestly. He, he's kind of that super sub where in a pinch you can play cornerback, in a pinch you can pay, play any of the safety spots, uh, he can play nickel, he also can play special teams, so they will find opportunities for him. Injuries do happen. I mean, I think he would be behind Jonathan Jones in the slot. He definitely wouldn't be one of the top two options on the outside with JC Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, but... If any one of those players goes down, Mills could be that top guy up. He's apparently a great locker room player. He's someone that is considered to be very intelligent from his coaches. And so even if he isn't a starter now, I could see a world where he's asked to take over for Devin McCourty in the long run. And so his signing might be less about where he plays immediately this year and more about what he can do in the future. Interesting. Uh,
0: also interesting, Rich, was a name you didn't mention going through that corner uh, line, which I completely agree with, I think, a spot on in terms of the, the depth chart and who's starting where at the cornerback position, which is still, in my opinion, the strongest unit on this defense. But uh, there's Joe John, Will- Joe John Williams. Um, mm-hmm. Probably the most amazing thing that happened this past offseason was they didn't draft a cornerback at all. So is he... Done? Do you think is this kind of a make or break off season for him? Do you you kind of given up hope on Williams? What's your stance on this guy? Is he is he kind of the classic Belichick sacrifice the second round draft pick for a DB that to the god of Super Bowls and it works? And <laughs> or is he is he going to have a a role for this team going forward?
1: Yeah, I mean that's tough. I, I think that where he fits in was the Patriots expect him to be able to cover those bigger wide receivers. You know, you had those guys that are six foot three plus that are taking over the league at that spot. And so, you know, that's what he was intended to do. I don't think that is necessarily where he's at his best because he hasn't shown that type of consistency, but he also just hasn't had those opportunities. And I don't think that the books closed on him by any means, but I would be very interested to see if he could bulk up a little bit, take over. Maybe not necessarily a Cam Chancellor-style role just because they play so super differently, but if he could have the ability to cover those outside tight ends, so thinking of the Travis Kelseys of the world or those tight ends that aren't necessarily the strongest blockers but they're primarily just big receivers... That is where I think he could carve out a niche for himself, Uh, but he definitely is not that player right now at this point. And honestly, when you're looking at that depth chart, he's not even in the top four because I I would put Miles Bryant and perhaps even Justin Bethel, that special teamer, ahead of him on that depth chart.
0: Yeah, I mean, special teams really is the way you you get in. And Joe John Williams isn't like a, a solid core special teamer. I just feel like he might be on the outside looking in and it might be time to... To pull the plug on him uh again with that that one round of roster cuts it's a very interesting dynamic you can't kind of whittle your roster down the way you could in years past just one big lop and all of a sudden like half the league's unemployed and and a secondary as crowded as new england's i think he's got a, a very big uphill battle but again if the price of success is sacrificed second round d- draft pick for a db every once in a while i think it's a good trade-off man um for those people who are not deep into the weeds like you and i are why don't you give us uh, maybe one offensive and one defensive player that might not be uh, a name everyone recognizes, uh, a name that people have necessarily heard of, but could uh, impress and win our hearts over in the coming weeks?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to go with Justin Heron on the offensive line, uh, just because you got to give some love to the beefy guys in the trench. Uh, I, I think he's someone who stepped in at tackle admirably. I think that he will be that next player up. Uh, with Isaiah Wynn and Trent Brown as the starter. And knowing in the past how the third offensive tackle for the Patriots has historically played like 40% of the snaps, he's going to be a very key player for this team. I I, I think that he's a late-round pick. I think that he flashed some ability and consistency last year. But I think he has some of that upside that you'll look back upon and be like, oh, how did the Patriots get so much value out of this such a late-round draft pick? And I, I think that he'll do it by just being very clearly the top player on that second line, on that third line, uh, as the Patriots are playing backups. So and he'll just dominate that way to the point where, you know, his roster spot will be considered pretty safe early on.
0: Awesome. Big fan of him again. Anytime you talk offensive line, I'm all in on it. Uh, I'll go to the defense and talk about someone that maybe some of the people haven't heard of, and that's uh, second-year DB Miles Bryant. Uh, I think he was a good nickel corner. Um, he spelled Jones last year a little bit, but it wasn't like a a world beater. But he's got size that's good against the longer range of receivers. He can be a liability against the run, but he's got good man coverage skills, and he can play some, some safety as well. So I think the, the DB position, as always, is going to be interesting to watch. And uh, while I, I – do doubt Miles Bryant will make a, a major splash? He could turn some heads uh, for the defense. I'll also give a quick shout out, even though he's not really a complete unknown. I think J.J. Taylor could make turn some heads this, 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 this training camp. He had great job in spring practices. He actually had a couple of deep throws from, from Cam Newton and Mac Jones in the, the early mini camps, and he's one of those kind of Deion Lewis guys that, that has special teams value as a kicker returner as well. And well, I know it's a very very crowded backfield with the Patriots right now, I think J.J. Taylor offers a very unique skill set. He could, he might be able to squeak on, so I'm rooting for him.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And he's someone that running back coach Ivan Fears has sung the praises of, and he definitely stuck around for a reason. I think that the Patriots do have high hopes for him. Uh, and I think as James White continues to get older, I think that Taylor could have a role for the Patriots in the long run. Um, and I'll, I'll give my defensive side of the ball. Uh, Dante Hightower. How about that? Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't with the team last year. So he's a newcomer, uh, you know, has really bright future. A lot of potential, uh, comes out of the small, (laughs) uh, liberal arts school called the university of Alabama. Uh, I, I think that he could have a chance to have a real impact on this Patriots defense. And I'm actually like not even fully joking on that. I think that the return of Hightower is something that is flying completely under the radar. Uh, Uh, Despite the fact that, as we've seen over the past 20-plus years of Bill Belichick as the Patriots head coach, that this defense is only as good as his linebackers. And last year's linebackers were abysmal. And I think that the return of Hightower, which will allow Bentley to be back at that number two spot, which will allow Uche, uh, and even you know Raquan McMillan, who they signed, and I, I think that Jennings, who could be that long-term replacement for Hightower down the road, but I think that having Hightower back has such an important trickle-down effect for the rest of the linebackers, and even the reintroduction of Kyle Dan Noy, that this defense is going to look entirely different purely because High Tower is back and that is a change that we cannot emphasize enough
0: yeah huge locker room guy huge leader always great mic'd up that's a great call uh last thing i'll ask you rich hill before i let you go and we close out our first of hopefully a very successful patriots podcast campaign for 2021 which two players are going to get into the first training camp fist fight Who you got <laughs> <laughs> There's always one every year. Who's, yeah. Who's, who's going to be this year?
1: Well, okay, I'm going to go with linebackers and tight ends here, just because I think that that is going to be a competition that has, uh, you know, some more faces that are trying to really establish themselves on the roster. Um, I, I would not expect it to be one of like the super new players, like the Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. So I'm going to go with uh, Matt Lacoste versus Josh Uche. I think that's just going to, you know. People are, people are going to really uh, emerge for the better coming out of that scrap.
0: All right. I like that. I'm going to Chase Winovich versus Bill Murray uh, only because <laughs> I just love to see that fight happen. I, I don't know why they'd, they'd go after each other, but I feel like Chase Winovich and Bill Murray going at it. Would really turn some head to make some nice headlines. So so here's hoping I'm right on that
1: one. Totally. Well I also just hope that Bill Murray makes headlines for the sake of you and your articles. Um, Amen. <laughs> but Alec, uh, we'll follow all of this as training camp unfolds. Uh, and until next time, Alec, you have a good one.
0: You too, buddy. See ya. Later,